This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very, very interactive edition of Equip. Today, we're going to talk about a very important question, and that is, do you trust your pastor? Do you trust your pastor? If so, why? If not, why not? I'll come back to that in a moment. But every month, those of you who are veterans to this program know that we like to identify a resource that we believe speaks to the cultural moment that we're in that can equip you to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith, that can help you to understand the heart of God better and how to convey God's heart, his love, his uh, truth to those that are in your life. Well, such is the case with the book that I'm going to be focused in on all month. It's written by... Uh, our friend Sam Alberry. Sam is a uh, wonderful Christian apologist who uh, teaches pastors um, and uh, shares a Christian faith. But he also is a man who has lived with the reality of same-sex attraction. And uh, he wrote a book taking up a very important question for our day. And the question is simply this, is God anti-gay? Is God anti-gay? Subtitle, and other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality. I, I can't, in many ways, commend this book enough to two groups. Number one, those who live with the assumption or have assumptions about the Bible, and maybe you've never engaged it on this subject before, but you just have seen tweets or memes or sound bites you've heard from others. And so you live with the assumption that the Bible's view on sexuality is somehow harmful or that the Bible is um, oppressive. Uh, these types of views, I would simply say, if that is your predisposition towards the the scriptures, this book, I think, will help you to, if for nothing else, get an honest grasp of what the Bible teaches. And then at the end of it, if you decide, hey, I reject it still, uh, fair enough, but at least you've gotten a chance, a chance to engage it yourself. But the second group that I would love to um, commend this book to are, are those who maybe you are so detached relationally from those who love God but yet live with same-sex attraction that you um, aren't sensitive to the realities of what it's like to um, have that um, as a part of your daily life and and even struggle. Um, I think it's a helpful book, and, and I really do think it's a helpful book generationally as well. 
um, moms and dads who are trying to understand sons and daughters who may be in college or high school. How do I help them to navigate this? And how do I articulate God's love while not compromising the Bible's teaching on sexuality and sexual ethics? Sam does a wonderful job. This is not an overwhelming book. It's actually um, relatively small, about a good book company. I'm looking here at about 115 pages, so not a large book, but I really want to encourage you to get it. As always, we try to make this as available as possible, as broadly as possible. If you have a college-age student, a high school student, or even younger middle school, I would almost dare to say this is a must-read for you. If you're a young adult trying to navigate what the culture says about sexuality versus what the scripture says, this is almost a required read for you. Uh, I just really feel that strongly about it. So if you want to get a copy of this, we're making it available, a donation of any amount to the program. Uh, we can send it right out to you. That helps us to offset costs, but we can send it out to you, and it's a way for you to invest into the spreading of the good news of Jesus through this program. Here's the number you need to dial, 888-644-4144. Call right now. Some of you have been praying about this. Some of you, this is not just a theoretical question. You're living with this. It's right there in your living room unfolding as you're trying to love a son, a daughter, a a grandchild. You need to take this journey, and I promise you, we will take it with you. You won't have to take it alone. We're going to walk through this all month long together. 888-644-4144. Be as generous as possible, but we'll send it out to you right away. 888-644-4144. 4144, or go to equipradio.org. And for some of you, this is an answer to prayer, and I thank God that we get a chance to make it available to you today. Now, let's talk about the topic for today. Some surveys, some research uh, is more personal than, than others. There are times when I read research reports uh, about different groups of people, and I can be intellectual about it, totally cerebral, because I'm disconnected from that reality. Well, that is not the case with the research report I want to reference today. It is on our social media platforms. I am begging you to chime in to this very critical conversation. It is, the, the research was put out by <coughs> LifeWay Research, uh, and it's a, it's a new survey, a new report, just came out January 30th of this year. And the title of this report, research report, is this, Public Trust in Pastors Falls to Historic Low. I'm a pastor. You see a headline like that, and it causes you to take a deep breath. And, man, when you go through the pages of this article authored by Aaron Earls from uh, LifeWay Research, it is pretty sad to know that the groups that are trusted less than pastors include telemarketers, Congress, used car salespeople, and journalists. So at least we're out outpacing those groups. And if you're included in those groups, then you know the pain that I'm feeling right now. We can sympathize with one another if you're someone trying to live an ethical life and, and, and you're in one of those groups because the reality is is that public trust for those groups, including pastors, is dropping. And I, I mean, friends, it is dropping fast. Here's what 
Aaron Rawls has to say, that trust in pastors fell for the third straight year and reached an all-time low. Around one in three Americans, only 34%, rate the honesty and ethical standards of clergy as high or very high. That's according to Gallup, who did the survey. Now, friends, if we were to rewind 38 years ago, back to the fun year of 1985, what we would discover is that 70% of Americans at that point rated clergy uh, as ethical and honest. 70% saw clergy as ethical and honest in the 80s. And, And honestly, this is when I'm growing up, right? Like I was born in the 70s. I'm growing up in the 80s. So I grew up in a time where pastors were trusted. Certainly, I saw that in um, in my parents, um, in, in the community around me. There was a pretty significant trust in pastors. But man, I would imagine if you were to ask your kids what the world looks like to them, what clergy looks like to them, what pastors, what their view is on pastors, or even more broadly, maybe their view is pretty good, but maybe their peers' view It's a totally different world. 1985, it's at 70%. Then it begins to take a decline. And what happens that causes the initial decline? Well, the sex abuse scandals of the Roman Catholic Church and later the Protestant Church begin to come out. There was also the debacle of the prosperity movement and so many pastors that got caught up in that. And unfortunately, that caused trust to drop. But in 2001, after 9-11, it skyrocketed back up. As we begin to care for the community, um, it went back up to 64%. But since then, it's been falling pretty rapidly. And uh, this report, again, by Aaron Earls of the uh, Lifeway Research, says that trust in pastors, get this, has fallen 30 percentage points since 2001. So that provokes a lot of questions for me, and this is where I'm going to invite you into the conversation. So a couple of questions it provokes for me. Number one, what has caused the decline? Why is there a decline in trust in pastors? Number two, does this lack of trust reveal more about what's happening in us than it does about what's happening in the life of pastors. Let me put it a different way. Does this lack of trust reveal more about what's happening in our culture or what's happening in the church? It's an interesting thought to me, like, have pastors really changed that much since 2001 to go from, you know, the vast majority of people trusting us to the vast majority of people not trusting us? Or or what is it? Uh, can we blame all of it on Twitter? <laughs> you know, uh, there's there's a lot to be said. You know, my view on social media is that I think some of the all-time greats of the past, if they lived in social media generation, probably wouldn't be viewed so highly because every mistake, every mistake you make is highlighted and replayed again and again and again as it goes viral. But that's a question that we can unpack as we talk about this conversation. Another question, is there anything pastors can do to regain trust 
in particular after they've lost it. So here's what I want to do. I want to culminate all of those questions into one big question of the day, one big question of the day, and then I want to open up the phone lines for you to call in. And folks, I really do want to hear from you. Here's the big question of the day on social media as well as your calls. What are some things that pastors can do that will cause you to trust them more? Think about this for a moment. What are some behaviors, habits, actions, words? What are some things? And I'm listen, inquiring minds want to know. I'm a pastor, so I'm listening in some ways um, really vulnerably. I'm listening to say, man, what are some things that pastors, and maybe put it this way, what are some things that pastors do that increases trust and then On the other side of that, what are some things that pastors do that cause you to trust them less? Maybe we're not even aware of it, but what are some things that pastors do that will cause you to trust them less? Do you trust your pastor? Let's interact around that. 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. I want you to join the conversation, 877-LIVE-675. I want to hear from you. What are some things that pastors can do that will cause you to trust them more? And conversely, what are some things that pastors do that cause you to trust them less? Maybe you've been through a tough experience. Maybe you're in a church right now. Maybe you're not in a church right now. And you say, hey, this is the reason why I'm not in church, or this is the reason why I am. I want to hear from you. Before we go to our break, I just want to read these words from 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is to all of the fellow pastors and elders that might be listening to me. Uh, these words should arrest our hearts, should ground our behavior, should remind us of our calling. Here's what Peter says. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for selfish or or shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is what Peter gave us by way of advice of how we are to live as leaders in the church. What can we do? I I got a list here that I've been compiling of things that I think pastors can do to help to regain trust. But I want to hear from you. Man, is this alarming. Pastors have reached an all-time historic low as it pertains to trust. Is there any hope? Can we regain trust? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. 877-LIVE-675 is the number. Much more to come next up on Equip. Equip. 
Are you struggling with questions about your sexuality? Do you have answers for those who ask you questions on this issue? In his book, Is God Anti-Gay? And other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality, author Sam Alberry compassionately explains the biblical view. Then he presents a more wonderful view of sexuality than you may have ever considered. Request your copy when you support Equip with a gift of any amount this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Our phone lines are just about full. Today we're talking about a new report that says that trust, public trust in pastors falls to a historic low. That may not be a surprise to you, but I think that for many of us who are pastors, and particularly those who, of us who sincerely want to lead by example, want to uh, live a life worthy of, of trust, if you will, Trust from the Lord first and foremost, but but public trust as well. Uh, what can a pa- what can pastors do, or or maybe pose a different way? What do pastors do that cause you to say, "Hey, I trust them more"? Um, and and what do pastors do that will cause you to say, "I don't trust them," or, or causes you to lose trust? Some have been wondering, well, who d- does who do Americans trust? Well, military officers, I'm sorry, nurses are number one. 82% of Americans say they trust nurses. Military officers are number two, 74%. Grade school teachers, elementary teachers are number three. Medical doctors, number four. And uh, pharmacists, number five. That's interesting to me on a number of levels. Let's go to the phone lines. Kenya is listening in Michigan. Hey, Kenya, thank you so much for calling. What's your comment? Hello, good afternoon. My comment is transparency and being real. Okay. Uh, people want real. Um, and not placing themselves on pedestals and not allowing others to do it. Let me ask a question, because I, I really am listening sincerely, so I appreciate you saying that. Is there a line, though, though, like like let's just say your pastor is struggling with a rebellious child and they, and they stand up and say, hey, before I preach today, I just want you guys to know my son has really been misbehaving, won't listen to me, has been really rebellious. Please pray for our family. Now let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Is that what you're looking for? Or what do you mean? Um, absolutely. Share their struggles, like what we struggle with. Because sometimes I think we we think pastors don't make mistakes or don't make bad decisions. And okay. sometimes pastors come across that way. Like like they're they're perfect. And sure. and sure. because we don't know their story. I don't know that your child is rebellious. Mine is rebellious, you know that. But if <laughs> if I can see the realness Yes. You know what I'm saying? The realness yes. in your life, then yes. I can I can match it with my life. But yeah. if I see you as perfect and never mess up, then yes. how do you how do you connect? How well can said. you build trust if there's well, no connection? So, 
I think that last line you just said is so huge. How can you build trust when there is no connection? Kenya, thank you for calling. Very, very well said. Let's go to Verl, who's listening in Orlando, Florida. Hey, uh, Verl, thank you for calling, brother. What's your comment? Thank you, bro. I think you asked so many questions, it's hard to put it into one answer. Yes. But one of the things that we have to realize exactly what Sister just said, you guys are human, just like us. Yes. And yes, like you said, there is a line. Mm. Yes. What we have is a always present feeling of judgment. Yes. When we get into a situation wow. with anybody, even as a stranger, if they have no judgment, they will tell you almost anything. Yes. They will tell you what's bothering them. I'm going to keep it short, bro, but that's what I'm thinking about. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, number one, I, I know there's a lot that you could say. Um, you know, I, I guess I have mixed emotions on that. Yeah, I do think that we can come across as insensitive and judgmental. I sympathize, though, with my struggle, I think is the struggle of every pastor, is our calling is to present the teachings of Jesus Christ, which by definition are perfect, right? So you're you're constantly confronting people with the perfect standard of a holy God, which I believe what God then intends and this is where I think we make mess up. I think what God wants is for that to humble us to the point where we say, I can't do this, God, without your help, and to cry out to, for help. I think where we often as clergy maybe mess up is not that we are faithful to the standards of Christ, like we should be doing that. We should teach the perfect teachings of Christ. But I think we also have to then turn around and say, um, but I fall short too. And this reminds me of my neediness for Jesus. Like, I think we have to make sure we are constantly expressing our neediness for Jesus ourselves. That it's not just uh, those people out there that need Jesus. We need Jesus, even those of us who've been given the, the task of having to preach to, uh, to, um, to others, we still need to make sure that we are expressing our neediness for Christ and his forgiveness and his help and the power of the Holy Spirit. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling. You know, one of the things, I'm going to go back to the phone lines in just a moment, 877-548-3675. 877-LIVE-675. Again, the question of the day is, what are some things that pastors can do that would cause you to trust them more? Is there anything that you say, pastor, if you did this, it will cause my trust in you to increase. If you if you did this, it would cause it to decrease. I want to hear those things, and really, I want to create a safe space. Like, you can say whatever you want uh, within certain boundaries and limits, but you can say whatever you want, and I really want to receive it, not debate. I'm not here to critique your opinion. I'm really here to listen. I wrote down my list, and I just want to share one. At the top of my list, and this is where I think this poll reveals a lot about where we're at in our cultural moment, I think at the top of my list is getting to know people. 
Like, like I feel like the the real story here is that uh, people don't know their pastor or don't maybe even know a pastor, um, and pastors don't always know their people, and it's and it, it's hard, and there's a lot of challenges to that, not the least of which is we just came out of COVID. So you got two to three years of time where we weren't even socializing. So I'm not surprised. And this is actually how Aaron Earls opens his article. He says this, as fewer Americans interact with pastors on a regular basis, fewer say they trust clergy overall. I don't think we should be surprised with that. Like the if you don't know a group of people, then all you hear is about scandal. All you hear is about uh, this church has fallen, this pastor has fallen. Now, the ones that have fallen are real. Those are real stories. We can't deny it. But it represents such a small percentage of the average group of pastors who are pastoring, like the average pastor is pastoring a church of 75 to 100 people, being as faithful as they can. Most pastors are bivocational. They're doing their best to go to work, love their family, loving their church, but they don't get the headlines for their faithfulness. What you get are the larger churches, a smaller percentage, like only 10% of churches, if that in America, are quote-unquote mega or large churches. 90% or plus are not. Their community, their neighborhood churches, smaller churches doing great work, caring for people, making disciples, loving people, marrying people, burying people, being by bedsides for the sick, for those who are having kids and anniversaries and graduations and all that stuff. But if you don't know a pastor, of course, we should expect that you would not trust them. I love to hear from you. Thank you for those who are calling. I want to hear from you. Is there anything pastors can do that would cause you to trust them more? Only 34% friends of Americans believe that pastors are honest and ethical. Are you surprised by that? 877-548-3675. What can pastors do to increase trust? Maybe you're out of the church. I love to hear from those of you who are have left the church. I want to create a safe space for you to call. You give us a call next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks here. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. It would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus today. Simply call 877-548-3675. Again, give us a call at 877-548-3675. The Bible says this in Proverbs Better an open rebuke than hidden love. Today, I'm reading a research report that in many ways is an open rebuke to pastors. That in many ways, the way that we have been leading has caused there to be a drop in trust. Now, I won't say that 
this drop in trust is only the result of the way pastors lead, but it certainly speaks to that, and um, and it's an open rebuke. But I think that part of what we need to do to regain trust, I, I mentioned one thing already, and that is get to know people. I think the more that we get to know people on a more intimate level, uh, the better. Uh, honestly, I, I really do think that makes a huge difference. Disconnect breeds distrust. But I think the second thing is we need to listen to our critics. In, in, a, in a cancel culture, it is really easy to just dismiss those who are critical of uh, something you've said or done. And it's hard. It's hard to listen to criticism. Uh, I certainly find it hard. Um, but yet, I think when we listen, we grow. Hey, before I go back to the phone lines, I'm going to do that in a moment, 877-LIVE-675. I do want to let you know all month long, the book we're focused in on uh, is entitled, Is God Anti-Gay? And I really want to be sensitive in the way that I engage this subject, because I know that there is probably more articles, books written about sex, sexuality, gender, gender identity today more than in any other generation. And there are some good critiques that are out there. There are some unhelpful and even harmful ones. I think the church needs to make sure that we are speaking the truth in love when we talk about this topic, not compromising either truth or love. And that's why I love uh, Sam Alberry's book. He's he's lived with same-sex attraction. He certainly tells his story as about as authentically and sincerely as anybody. Uh, I've read, uh, but he also has a deep, deep commitment to the Lord, to honoring Christ in his his body, honoring Christ in his sexuality, honoring Christ in his words and deeds. So I want to encourage you, get this book. It's about 115 pages. It'll be a blessing for you. Maybe even read it along with your young adult child or or grandchild to understand them better. Some of you have been praying, God, give me wisdom. Give me answers. Help me to love my child, my nephew, my niece, my uncle, my brother, my grandchild without compromising your word. Um, I want to honor God. I want to love people. How do I do that? Well, this book talks about that and so much more. Um, you can get your copy with a gift of any amount to the program. All you got to do is dial this number, but please do it now. 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Um, or you go to the website, equipradio.org. Again, 888-644-4144. Um, let's go to Clay, who's listening in Florida. Hey, Clay, thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your comment today? Oh, well, man, this this goes not just for the pastor, but for, for all of us as believers. And I think it's our job as believers to to manifest his presence no matter what's going on around us and aligning ourselves with what God is doing and how he is moving and not allowing culture to determine how we're going to live according yes. to the direction the Holy Spirit is leading us. Yes. And, I, and I believe we're in an age where pastors need to be bold and stand for the truth of what Scripture says and and not allow that to be questioned because of the date. 
because Holy Spirit offering, uh, authoring these scriptures that were given to yes. us, Jesus said, my words are truth and life. And then and these words are eternal because, uh, you know, God blessed these uh, words to help yeah. for our instruction, or reproof and our correction. And I think it's we put an unfair uh thing on, on, on pastors when we're looking at the man and not trying to hear Holy Spirit through that man. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Because he is a man. Yeah, I appreciate and, that, Clay. Uh, I think uh, so much of what Clay just said is is right on. And uh, and when we see the pastor simply um, a, a vessel, a person through which the Lord would demonstrate and communicate his truth, the truth of the gospel, but ultimately the credibility of that is not in the perfection of the messenger, but in the perfection of the message. I think it does change things. But I think the bigger point of what Clay just said, if I could say this uh, succinctly, is that pastors, if we're going to increase trust, we do need to faithfully and humbly teach the scriptures. Faithfully and humbly teach the scriptures. Um, I think that that is so, so critical. Now, here's the tension, and I just want folks to know this. There is a tension that exists within every pastor between keeping it real and keeping it biblical. Like we're saying on one hand, man, I want pastors to be more transparent about the struggles and their failures and all that stuff, which I get. And there's there's certainly an appropriate place for that. We never want to communicate as if we don't need grace as if we don't need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, as if we don't need forgiveness, as if we don't need the gospel, as if we don't need mercy. We can never do that. On the other hand, I never want my struggles to dominate or overshadow the focus of of Christ. Like the whole point of ministry is exalting him, not exalting me. I think there is a reverse um, arrogance, if you will, of putting ourselves at the center, whether we are bragging out of pride on what we've done or we are so self-centered and focused that we uh, tell our story more pronounced in the story of, of Christ and the story of Scripture. So there's a tension there. I acknowledge that. But yet somehow, by God's grace, we got to figure out how we can do both, be transparent about our struggles and weaknesses while also faithfully and humbly teaching the scriptures. I love to hear from a pastor or two. If you're a pastor or in leadership out there, what are your thoughts about this report that public trust in pastors has fallen to an historic low, only 34%? What do you think we as pastors do that can increase trust or things we do that decrease trust? I love to hear from some pastors out there. 877-548-3675. Let's go to Cecilia, who's listening in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much for calling, sis. What's your comment? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. I um, I wanted to just uh, address your question about whether you thought it was uh, cultural or um, more of an individual situation. And I, I just wanted to comment on the, the cultural aspect that I, I find um, has made me lose my trust in the whole Christian, I'm going to call it organization, because um, that's how it feels. As a, as a result of um, this terrible political climate that we're, we're now mm, living in, um, yeah, so yeah. divisive. And, and this, is, uh, this is important. The, the Christian 
um, organization, um, the high-profile leaders stood behind some, I won't name names, but (laughs) our high-profile leaders who have obviously um, lack moral moral integrity. And Mm. if the Christian organization is supposed to be leading by example and they're supporting and endorsing high-profile figures who are not doing that for an agenda, for instance, wanting one thing so they look the other way for the other thing and then say things like, well, you know, we should all learn forgiveness. You know, that's a problem for me. And it makes me think like, you know, I can't trust that because that's, well, anyway, I think. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you find it antithetical. Uh, First off, Cecilia, thank you. Thank you for uh, what you, what you've said and, um, and with the temperament with which you've said it. I think it speaks to the broader reality that our culture in general, and yes, the church has gotten swept into this, has become hyper-partisan and far too political. I mean, the reality is, is everything at this point from where you shop to what cities you live in to what church you attend, like everything has a political dimension to it. As a matter of fact, this report that I'm referencing, uh, the demographic breakdown of, uh, of this report, they break down not only overall public trust for pastors, but they break it down by age. They break it down by um, political persuasion. They break it down also by educational level. So there's a political side to this where you can uh, dissect it that way. This is the lens through which we are encountering our cultural moment. And and what I hear you saying is we need to guard our hearts against the hijacking of the church by politics. And I would uh, say amen. And I don't think that that has to lead to us being apolitical um, because there is a place for us to engage civically in the world. I think we have a responsibility to do that, I actually, my perception is that's part of loving your neighbor is advocating for laws that lead to human flourishing, standing against those that bring harm to people. But I do think uh, we've allowed politics to use us when we have uh, so aligned ourselves with a party or or candidate, and you pick your side. I'm not. I think it can happen on both sides that we just simply become the religious wing of that party and candidate. We need to be able to speak the truth in love, challenging them with the gospel and affirming what's right. Uh, I appreciate Cecilia giving us a call. 877-548-3675. I'd love to hear from some pastors or church leaders. Uh, I'm surprised by one thing I'm not hearing. There is one thing in all of this conversation that I thought I was going to hear up front that I have not heard And it actually shocks me that I have not heard this. I've heard people say, preach the gospel, amen to that, be transparent, amen to that, don't get hijacked by politics, amen to all of that. But I am surprised that I have not received a call yet from anyone saying that I want to see a pastor who invests deeply into their family, that I want to see a pastor who is loving his wife well. I want to see a pastor who is walking with his children, investing time with his children. I wonder how much does that play? How much does family life 
play into your expectations of your pastor. We got to take our final break of the day. But that's an interesting thing to me. I'm looking at those who are on hold. I'm looking at those, uh, reflecting rather, on those who have called in. I got to admit, I'm a little bit surprised that I have not heard anyone say, yeah, family life is important. How How is this pastor, you know, interacting with their spouse? How are they caring for their spouse? How are they raising their children? Is there, is there space for that? Or does that not really matter? Factor into the equation. I so appreciate you you guys calling and chiming in. I'll get to as many calls as I can today, but I know I won't get to every one, but that's all right. We can keep the conversation going on social media. Go to Facebook or Twitter at Equip Radio, and you share your thoughts, your perspective, because your thoughts matter. We'll be right back right after this. As a dad, a friend, and a neighbor, I share your concerns over the growing problems in our culture. That's why on Equip, we tackle the tough issues, learning how to respond with grace and truth. We're looking for like-minded partners to stand with us. Would you be willing to become an Equipper today? In this role, you'll give a monthly donation to support the ministry of Equip. And as an Equipper, you'll receive insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Become an Equipper today by calling 888-644-4100. Or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for those of you who have responded both to our question of the day as well as to our resource of the month is God Anti Gay um, by Sam Alberry. But also love to appeal to those of you who find yourself in the midst of a very difficult economy, uh, blessed. You look up and you can say that financially, economically, God has shown abundant grace to you. And I recognize for some, hey, finances are an area of faith for you right now where you're really having to trust God through a difficult moment. And I want to make sure I'm sensitive to that. But for those of you who find that, man, this has been actually a season of abundance for us, This has been a season where God has really uh, blessed us. I would ask that you would consider making a special investment into the spread of the gospel. Every season is not a season of abundance. There are lean seasons in life. The Bible speaks of that. But during my seasons of abundance, part of what my wife and I have tried to train our hearts to do is to look for not just standard ways to give, but special opportunities to give. Um, I'm grateful that we're reaching not only throughout the U.S., but into Canada. We're engaging topics that I believe uh, are intergenerational topics. We're working to help to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. If the program has been a blessing to you, can you consider today a special investment into uh, this program so that we can continue to remain on the air and impact your community with the uh, the truth of God's word. Uh, why don't you call now, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. I would also appeal to those of you who say, this is where I get fed. You know, um, not everyone is in a local church right now. If you're in a local church, that's where you should give first. But if you're not, and, and for whatever reason, this is the program that speaks to your heart and feeds you spiritually, can you invest 
into the program as you honor the Lord, giving back, acknowledging him as the provider of your resources, 888-644-4144. All right, here's a couple of things that I didn't get to that I want to make sure are said. If we're going to regain trust uh, as pastors, I think a couple of things that we need to make sure that we do. Debbie said this on Facebook, an attitude of humility versus arrogance. I just think that the more we act like we're above uh, correction, the more that we or the less that we're willing to listen to those who may have uh, an honest criticism. I'm not just talking about those who are, are, are simply trying to tear down, but those who love the church, love, love you even and maybe disagree with you, we have to be humble enough to be corrected, which leads me to the next point that I want to make, and that is we need accountability. As pastors, we need accountability. I'm grateful. I I, I have five elders, five men at my church who meet with me once a month. As a matter of fact, tonight is uh, that uh, once a month. We meet on the first Thursday of uh, of every month, and tonight is one of those uh, nights, just happens to be, where I can be vulnerable with them. They ask me questions about my personal life. How's your marriage? How's your health? How's your parenting? How's your time with the Lord? Um, these types of questions once a month. And the, the broader elder group at our church um, saw it wise to encourage this, and I'm grateful for it. It's been one of the greatest blessings of my pastoral journey is to have a group of men who once a month meet with me to just focus on my life, not executive decisions, not what sermon series are you thinking about, not what what's your vision for the next five years, just how are you doing to pray with me, to hold me accountable. I'm grateful. Pastors, we need that in our lives. We need community as well. We need to not so uh, be so isolated. We need community as well. And then finally, I want to end here. We need to work as hard as we can to avoid self-promotion. We live in a day and age where if you're not careful, even with good intention, everything encourages self-promotion as if you are a brand unto yourself. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard to utilize your gifts and abilities and avoid that. But I will just simply say, don't go into any rooms that you don't need to go in. Don't don't involve yourself in decisions that you don't need to be involved in. Keep as much distance as you can from having all the financial decisions following you. Um, all of those things. Avoid self-promotion because the centerpiece of our ministries is not us but it's Christ and him crucified. Friends, I appreciate you chiming in on this subject. I know it's delicate. I know it's sensitive, but it is one that hits and impacts all of us who call Christ Lord, who love his church, who want to see pastors after his own heart. That's my desire. I hope that's yours as well. Let me pray for pastors before we end. Father, I pray for those who have been called by you to declare your word, to lead your church, It's not easy, so we need your help. Pour out your grace in abundance. Help us to find our strength at the foot of the cross. Bless pastors, we pray in Jesus' name, and their families, their wives and children, amen. Friends, until we're together again, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.